Man, that song has special meaning to me. Uh, this is uh, just kind of, I'll just get real, real quick. So when I really came to know the Lord, uh, I would drive around uh, our neighborhood, which was not really a neighborhood, it was, it was out in the country. Um, a lot of us don't know what that is, but it was where you don't have a lot of houses. And uh, so I would just drive around fields of corn, and uh, this song would come on, and I literally, listen to this, guys, I would bawl my eyes out. Like, I would cry, like, ugly cry in my car when this song uh, and so that just reminds me of just a special season where the Lord was moving in my life. Uh, thank you so much, man. So good. Uh, my name is Derek, one of the teaching pastors here at Bayou City Fellowship. Welcome. Uh, we are so glad that you've carved some time out of your busy weekend to come and worship with us. Uh, we are a very simple church. We are a church that says we want to follow Jesus. Uh, we don't need a bunch of programs. We just say if Jesus said it, we want to know about it. If he did it, like we also want to do it. And so we're a really simple church. And so if you're a guest, our number one desire today is not that you think our band's amazing, that there, there's something maybe the decent in my sermon, um, but more than anything else, that you would encounter the living God because we believe he's here and he's present with us. He's going to do some work in here today. Um, well, the last two weeks we picked up in the James series, James chapter 3. Uh, two weeks ago I was here, uh, really taught on the power of words. Remember that our words direct our life and our heart directs our words. And so if we've got a problem with tearing people down, speaking wrongly to other people, cursing people, it's not a problem with our mouth, it's really a problem with our heart. And then Curtis brought a tremendous sermon last week where really the purpose and the focus was that we should not, as believers, bless people with our mouth and at the same moment turn around and curse people with our mouth. And the tagline was we should bless and talk less. That we should bless those, but we should not curse, so we should really speak less. And so we really rallied around words. But today we're going to look at another word that starts with W, and that's wisdom. Wisdom. This is, this is what wisdom is so we're on the same page today. Wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong in practice. It's the right application of knowledge. And so the application is a decision that I make or a word that I speak. So I've got knowledge and I take this knowledge and I actually apply it. Wisdom is applied. If you just have knowledge, you cannot have wisdom. Knowledge actually lived out is what wisdom looks like. Now, how many of us in this room feel like you have a situation in your life where you could use some additional wisdom? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, okay, everybody. Uh, let, let me ask you a more challenging question. Does anybody not need more wisdom in the room? Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. Like, none of us hopefully recognize that we don't have a need for more wisdom. And we're going to look at James chapter 3. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 3. We're going to open up in verse 13. So Paul asked the same question I just asked you. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, now imagine what he's following, that question follows, where he just ripped them apart saying, hey, your words are powerful. They're actually a deadly poison. And now he's saying, hey, if you're wise, why don't you just step up to the front of the classroom? Anybody, is, is anybody wise? And he says, go on. And he says, this is, this is what it looks like to be wise. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So, so James is saying, listen, I, I don't want to hear your words saying that you're wise. L let me see it lived out in your life. Let me see it in the meek acts or the humble acts that you do, the wisdom that is a trail of your life. There should be a wake behind somebody who thinks they're wise of wisdom, good decisions, good words, right and wrong, and how does that look? This is what 
James is speaking of today, and then we get to verse 14, and he says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So he's saying, if there's wisdom, if you really are wise, then I'm going to see it in your life. But if you're not that, don't go around and tell people that you are wise because you're lying. You're being false to the truth. Now, how many of us know somebody who is just off the charts brilliant, just very, 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 very smart? If you're a man, you should raise your hand if your wife's beside you. Um, like, we all have come across, whether that's at work or in college or high school, where you're like, man, that person is so brilliant. Now, now what I've found as an engineer, and, you know, I'm not brilliant, but there are a lot of engineers who at least think they're brilliant, um, and so what I've found is somebody that was really, really smart, if they have some social ability, if they have some social ability, um, they talk about their smarts a lot. Have you ever encountered that? Um, like if you're around somebody who, who is really, really smart and they know they are smart, they are going to make sure that you know that they are smart. Anybody else experience somebody like that? Um, I was riding on a long plane trip from Nairobi, Kenya to Paris, uh, France, and uh, was sitting there. And this guy was beside me, and uh, you know it's a long flight from Kenya to Paris, and uh, so eventually you're going to talk to somebody, even if you don't want to. And uh, it had been a long week, and I was tired, but this guy, we started talking to him. He started talking to me, and he began to share a little bit about him. And what I found out is he was kind of a diplomat or, or um, an ambassador from France to Kenya. And, and so he began to tell me his title. And I was like, man, that's, that's pretty cool, man. That's great. And then he begins to tell me all the things that he does. And then he started telling me all the perks that he has for the things that he does. And then he began to tell me how much money that he really makes. And then he told me that, man, when they ship you from your home, France, into Kenya, man, it's amazing because you can't ship things in there. You have to actually buy things. And so I got to spend a bunch of money. And, oh, by the way, I've got a lot of influence. And 45 minutes into the conversation, the only thing that I've added to the conversation is a head nod. Have you ever been in one of those, right? Like, the guy knew he was brilliant, and he really was. There's no question, but, but he made sure that I knew he was brilliant. He didn't care anything about me. It was all about him. Now, now, now think, who is the wisest person that you know? Not like you've read a book from, unless you know that person, but who is the wisest person you've ever interacted with? Just think about that person. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that person probably didn't tell you that they were wise. The, Hopefully, if they really are wise, you would know that they actually didn't tell you. Now, I have a good friend named Joe. He's my mentor, and I'm actually going to have breakfast with him, and I'm going to sit with him for two hours tomorrow. He's from Ohio. He happened to be in Houston, so I'm going to go, and I'm just going to sit with this guy and ask him questions because he's the wisest man I've ever met. Uh, He is an amazing engineer, problem solver. He loves the Lord. He's got a great family, messed up some, but he knows that and and working through things. And, And what I know about Joe, he's never once told me, hey, Derek, I'm wise. Hey, hey, Derek, uh, uh, he's never made me feel beneath him. And he doesn't make anybody else feel that way. The actual is the opposite that Joe, Joe has actually said, Derek, I need more wisdom. He said, Derek, I, I got to hear from God on this because I need a word from God because I don't know what to do. See, see that's that w- what we see in somebody who is really wise is they don't pump themselves up. They don't think that everybody needs to know they're wise because wisdom produces quiet confidence that doesn't demand recognition. Wisdom produces quiet confidence that doesn't demand recognition. 
But if you don't have wisdom and you have false wisdom, then you're going to boast about it because you're trying to lift yourself up to look good in the eyes of others. We see this at the end of 14. He says, do not boast and be false to the truth. Now, this is important because the rest of the sermon is going to be set up on this truth and false. And so he's saying the truth is wisdom. But if you go around and you say you have wisdom, but you don't have wisdom, that's false wisdom. And so we see there's true wisdom. There's false wisdom. Wisdom, and we're going to look at both of these today. And so the last two weeks, we woke up to words, as Curtis said. We woke up to words. Today, we're waking up to wisdom. And we're going to highlight what does it look like to have true and false wisdom, and what do we do about it? So on to verse 15. So he just said, do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15 says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Does your Bible say demonic? Mine does. Uh For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so we see James laying out that there is a true wisdom, but there's also a false wisdom. And this is what he says about the false wisdom It's described as earthly, unspiritual, demonic. It's the antithesis of God. And he says, it doesn't come from above. Now, I sat down, and we have some Bible lessons with our kids once in a while, and um, my kids are always like, Dad, make it short. And it's probably, you say the same thing sometimes. Um, But we sit down, and and, uh, and I'm asking, I'm kind of walking through my sermon with them. Uh, God bless my kids. And... um, and I said, okay, if wisdom's not from above, where's it from? And, and even my kids could say, it's from below, right? So my kids got, I'm like, yes, something's working. And so we see here, James is saying, listen, there is a wisdom that does not come from above. It does not come from God. It actually comes from below. It comes from Satan himself and evil. And it produces bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder. Every vile or evil practice is what comes out and is produced when we submit to this false wisdom. If I had to summarize this false wisdom in one line, I would say it's acting on my desires regardless of God's desire. False wisdom is acting on what Derek wants rather than what God wants. That's false wisdom, and we see this throughout the scriptures. And this false wisdom is really reflecting the kingdom of Satan. And the kingdom of Satan is reflecting Satan himself, who was given some authority for this time. And so I want us to flip over to Isaiah chapter 14, if you've got a Bible. And we're going to see, first off, what does Satan really represent? Because we're just reflecting him if we're walking in this false wisdom. So Isaiah 14 is written by the prophet Isaiah, and he's giving some insight into what happened when Satan actually was in heaven and fell. Now remember, Satan is a created being. So God actually created Satan. He created Satan as one of the top angels, okay, right up there, the top. So, so we know that since he's created, he doesn't, he's, he's not an equal to God, amen? Okay, did, it, did you hear what Satan is not an equal to God, Amen? Okay, so we see he's created, and he's in heaven, and he's giving glory to God, but then something happens to Satan. Verse 12 of chapter 14, he says, so he's speaking of Satan, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. So he's speaking of Satan. How you cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations known. Now, now listen to this. This is really good. 
you said, Satan, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. So when Satan went from angel giving worship to God to the angel that was kicked out of heaven, here it is right here, it was all about him. I will ascend. I will become a throne above him. I will be actually become like God. And we see this. This is false wisdom. And what follows false wisdom is disorder. What happens? Satan gets booted out of heaven. Complete disorder. Changes everything. And we know what follows disorder is sin. And you and I know what happens a little bit later when humanity is created that Satan gets his nose in it and he begins to mess things up. Go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to see this same thing, false wisdom, as we're waking up to wisdom today. This is the false wisdom that we need to be aware of. So this is the story of Adam and Eve that you all have heard many a times. And uh, they go from walking with God in the garden where they are in this great communion with God, exactly how God designed it. This is where they are. This is beautiful. But then the serpent comes in and starts to speak to Eve Picking up in verse 4, he says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God. Does that sound familiar? We just read that in Isaiah. That's what Satan wanted for himself. And now he's taking the same trick that he fell for, and he's now putting it in front of the lady and say, Hey, you can be like God. Very interesting. He says, You can be like God. Um knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, there's the word wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so there is complete truth in the garden. Satan comes in in the form of a serpent and he begins to speak a twisted knowledge. And he also starts to speak false wisdom to Eve. And she buys it. And she's like, oh, yeah. And she begins to have this bitter jealousy that's talked about in James. She, she begins to think that God is holding something back from her. And so she's jealous. God, why would you hold that back from me? I want what you're holding back from me. She was jealous towards what God had and she didn't have. But she was also had some selfish ambitions stirring up in her. She's like, I want to be like God. I don't, I don't like just being with God and being in perfect communion with God. No, I want to actually be like God. God, selfish ambition, and so she takes and follows the false wisdom, and we know what immediately happens, disorder. They immediately realize that they are naked, they become ashamed, they go and they sow fig leaves, cover themselves, and they hide from the God that they had walked in the garden with the day before. Disorder. After she received the false wisdom is when sin, every vile practice is talked about in James, when it breaks into the world. Disorder. Sin. And we know today that we're not much different. There's disorder all around us. And there is sin and every evil practice rampant in this world. And it stems from false wisdom. 
false wisdom. And so I, I've got to ask you the question because the reality is temptation is at every turn of our lives, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether that's at church, anywhere where you have the opportunity to be jealous and have selfish ambition, you know that Satan is there creeping around offering you false wisdom. So today, are you choosing this false wisdom? That's one of the questions that we need to ask today as we're coming awake to wisdom is are we choosing false wisdom? And you can know if you're choosing false wisdom if there is disorder all around your life. If your relationships are a mess, if your career is just all in shambles, you don't have any financial control whatsoever, that there's a chance that you are stepping into false wisdom. And if there's some sin in your life that you're like, man, I can't do anything about this evil practice that I'm just doing, is it possible that there's some false wisdom that you've received and that you're walking out that's leading you to every evil practice and disorder? This is what James says. But not only is there this false wisdom, thankfully, but there's also a true wisdom. And and James says this kind of wisdom is from above. Literally, it's from God. And he goes on and describes it as as it is is meek, meaning that it is an attitude of humble, submissive, and expectant trust in God and a loving, patient, and gentle attitude towards others. Meekness would describe this kind of wisdom. It produces purity Peace, gentleness, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. If false wisdom is summed up by acting on my desires regardless of God's desires, what true wisdom can be summed up as acting on God's desire regardless of my desire. Acting on God's desire regardless of my desire. Now, this false wisdom that we talked about earlier, it reflects the kingdom of Satan, but, but true wisdom, it reflects God's kingdom. We see that throughout. And now I want us to go to one more Old Testament passage, turn all the way back to 1 Kings. Go to the left, and you'll find 1 Kings somewhere in there. Chapter 3 of 1 Kings. So we're going to look at um, just a brief snapshot of Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live. He was the son of David the king, and, uh, and we're going to see an interaction that he had with God, picking up in verse 5 of chapter 3. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. So he, so he appeared to a Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love towards your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an upright heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of David, my father. Now listen to this. Although I am but a little child... I do not know how to go out and come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people when, whom you have chosen, a great people too many to be numbered and counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? 
And it goes on and says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. And God said to him, because you have asked for this and have not asked for yourself a long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that no one like you has ever been before you and no, none like you shall arise after you. Now, now I think we could learn a whole lot from Solomon, but, but here's the takeaway. Solomon was the king's son. Like it was the right for him to become the next king. And so you can imagine he could have approached the situation saying, yeah, that's right. I'm the king's son. And so of course I'm going to step in to be the king. But we see what Solomon says. He approaches God with humility. And he says, I'm like a little child. I don't know what's what. I don't know how to come in and go out. And your people, you have a lot of people, God. They're good at multiplying. How am I supposed to manage them? So I'm asking you, will you give me wisdom? And what we can see here from Solomon is that he recognized a very important lesson that we see throughout Scripture. It's this lesson I don't have, but he does have. See, he recognizes that he doesn't have the capacity, the wisdom to carry out what God has asked him to do. And so in humility, he says, God, I don't have this, but you do. You see, see, that's humility. And that's where wisdom starts. And we see this throughout the scriptures. We see this when it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Has anybody heard that before? So the fear of God is when I approach God with awe and respect, that I see God for who he is. Now, when I approach God with fear, it requires me to do two things. It requires me to first see who God is, but then to also see who I am. So if I'm going to approach a God with awe and respect, I've got to recognize, wow, you have, you are holy, you are loving, you are righteous, you are unparalleled, I am not. See, to fear God, it requires us to step into humility. Because if I don't have humility, I'm never going to recognize who God is and who I am in proper context. I may think I'm right here. And when I think I'm right here, there's no way I'm going to give the adoration and respect to an all-powerful, all-loving God. So to fear God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes, because to fear God, I must be humble first. There's another text in Proverbs 4 that says the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. (laughs) You ever heard that one? It's amazing. It really was like a riddle for me. And then I taught on it last year and I was like, oh, wait. See, in order to get wisdom, in order to begin to get wisdom, I've got to first recognize I don't have wisdom. What the scripture tells us, that is actually the beginning of being wise. I don't have, but he does. You see, it's, it's a humility because if I never recognize that, if I don't recognize that I don't have, I'm never going to get to a place where I ask him to give me what I don't have. wisdom requires humility humility is actually the highway to wisdom there is no other way to get it I don't but he does that's true wisdom that's the lesson we see in Solomon that's the lesson we see in the disciples and the apostles I don't but he does 
so we see there's, there's these two kinds of wisdom. There's a false wisdom that leads to disorder and sin and selfish ambition, but there's also a true wisdom from God that leads to purity and peace and meekness. It requires humility. And you say, man, how do I, how do I get there today, Derek? I need wisdom in my situation. How do I get there? And, and I think... This is not a formula at all because God is not a God of formula, but he's a God of relationship. And so if we're really seeking God's wisdom, then you better bet you, you better be in relationship with God. And it starts out by asking in faith, God, will you give me wisdom? Because what we know in Daniel 2.20, it says, to God belongs all wisdom and might. Proverbs 2.6 says, for the Lord gives wisdom. Colossians 2, 2, 3 says that in Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. In the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, it says he gives gifts of wisdom. Isaiah eleven two 2 says that the Spirit is the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, of wisdom and understanding. And so we ask a God who has all wisdom, God, in faith, I'm asking you, will you give me wisdom? And what was read earlier, if we ask, we will receive but we don't just ask and say, kick back, put my rear in the sand and my feet in the water and sing a good song. No, we begin to seek. He's <laughs> not just ask God, God, will you do this and then just walk away and just sit down on my bed. And just, no, it's, it's, the scriptures say, ask and you will receive, but also it says, seek and you will find. And so if I'm asking God and I'm not in the scriptures, maybe I'm really not asking God. Maybe I'm just giving lip service. Maybe I'm being like what James says is, I'm boasting, I'm talking a lot, but I don't have actions to follow. So to seek God means I'm gonna get in the word. I'm gonna ask him to reveal how has this looked in seasons past? How have you manifested yourself and brought wisdom to other people? And then I'm gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask God, God, I'm I'm seeking you. Give me, give me a word, give me a knowledge, give me. And then I'm also, I'm gonna go to other people. Now, Now here's something that we need to understand. We don't just go to anybody. The counsel that you should be seeking should be those that have shown you that they are wise. The ones that have a a track record of true wisdom, that their mouth and their words align with wisdom. That's the people that you should be seeking out for counsel. We should be asking them, what do you think God has to say about this? Not what do you say? (laughs) I can look in the mirror and say that. I want to know what do you think God has to say? As we ask and then as we seek, the next part, which is probably the hardest part for many of us, it requires us to be aware, to to keep our focus, to really keep our eyes out. What is God doing around me? What is God saying through the scriptures, through other people, believers and non-believers? I've had God tell me confirmation of things to do through people that don't even know Jesus. But the spirit quickens in me and says, that was from God. See, I've got to be aware. I've got to keep my eyes on the king and saying, what are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you working and moving and guiding around me? So I ask God in faith. I seek him. I'm aware. And then the last one is that then I must obey. I must trust him. See, I I can have knowledge about God. I can have knowledge around the world. But if I never actually do anything, apply that knowledge then I'm not wise. Now, remember, Satan has a lot of knowledge about who God is. I don't want to be siloed in the same silo as Satan, where I've got a lot of knowledge about God, a lot of great knowledge, but I do nothing with it. 
And so today, what it looks like for us to step in wisdom is to actually step out and trust. After we hear from God, after we ask him, after we seek him. Today, we want to wake up to wisdom, to know that there is true wisdom and there is false wisdom. And God's desire is for you to know and walk in his wisdom, the wisdom from above. Now, what we're going to do the rest of the service here, I told you it was going to be a short sermon. Uh, I thought we would be a family today because we're not an organization. Amen? We're, we're going to actually uh, be a body and not a machine today. Is that all right with you guys? So I, I know there are a lot of people in this room that really need God to give them wisdom from above. And so what I thought we would do today is we would kind of go through some things I prayed about and we would actually pray for one another. So this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to say, hey, here's something that I feel like some of us may need wisdom and I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you're at. And listen, I know that may be hard for some of you. Um, Maybe that's the first step of humility that you have today to say, I'm willing to stand up because I really need wisdom, God. And then what we're going to do, the people around you, if you stand up, they're going to just ask you, what do you need to pray for? And then you're just going to tell them, you're not going to give them a long story, right? That's another time right now. It's just, this is what I'm asking God wisdom for. And then they're going to do two things. They're going to bless you and ask God to move, but they're also going to ask for wisdom, okay? So when we're praying, because all of us are going to be praying, it's not the pastor only, right? We're not that kind of church. All of us, we're going to lay hands on the people around you, and we're going to pray for them. If you're not comfortable with that, just totally fine. Just sit there and pray. But, but if you're a member or not, we just want to pray for people. We're going to ask blessing over the life that God would move in a powerful way, but also that he would give wisdom. The band's going to play a little bit below, and we're going to do this just for the next five to seven minutes. And so, uh, so this is the first thing I want us to pray for. So if this is you, I just want you to stand up, and, and we're going to pray for you. Uh, anyone in this room that really needs some wisdom with respect to your job or finances. So there's a lot of things going on in Houston, layoffs left and right. So if you've lost a job or if you're potentially going to lose a job, you're just in flux, you're not sure, or if you're making a decision of the change jobs or if you're just having some really financial troubles right now and you need wisdom. Because he said wisdom is far greater than gold or silver. So instead of asking maybe for money, what if we ask for wisdom today? And so we're going to pray over you. So church, there's some people standing up. If that's you, just go ahead and stand up right now. And then church, there's some people around. I just want us to turn around, find somebody close to you, ask them how they can pray for you. We're going to be a family today. And then go ahead and pray, and then I'll lead us into the next one. I'll sit down and do the same thing again. So please don't let anybody be alone. Go ahead and stand up, pray for them. Get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Go ahead and pray, guys. asking for a blessing upon them that God would break through, but we're also asking for wisdom. So twofold prayer, pray blessing and pray for wisdom.
Okay, why don't you wrap up your prayers here? We're going to move to the next thing. So somebody just lead out and pray, blessing and wisdom, and then you guys can be seated again. Uh, the next thing that we want to pray for uh, as a community is relationships, uh, family, kids, dating relationships, marriage relationships, relationship with friends at work, whatever that is. If, if you just need some wisdom on how to handle a, a relationship in your life, whatever that is, we want to pray wisdom and blessing that God would break through uh, even today. So if you need prayer for, for relationship, you need wisdom and blessing, just go ahead and pop to your feet and we're going to pray over you today. Good. Just go ahead and stand up if you need any, any relationship, you need wisdom. Don't be ashamed of that. Okay, church, let's go ahead and pray. Let's be the body right now. Go ahead and pray. you guys start just praying blessing right now wrap up your prayers pray for wisdom just right now and then you can go ahead and have a seat again uh, the last thing that I want us to pray over is uh, any, anyone who has health issues where you're trying to figure out what do I do with what's going on in my body there's just not something right and you're seeking uh, twofold wisdom, but you're also asking for a miracle that God would heal you. And we want to pray for both of those today. So if you've got anything health at all, you don't have to tell them exactly what it is. Just say, hey, pray for this or just pray over health in general. Why don't you go ahead and pop up to your feet? We want to pray for God to break in, to heal today, to bring wisdom of what to do next. So why don't you go ahead and stand up? Don't hesitate. If you've got anything, who knows if this is the day that God can heal you. So good. Thank you for standing up. All right, church, find somebody. If you're not too close, just extend a hand and pray for them. 
Pray for healing and pray for wisdom. Go ahead and stand. If you're sitting, sorry, I'm going to get you up again. Go ahead, everybody stand together. Man, so good, so good. Such a beautiful picture to see uh, the people of God being the body of God today. I just love it. It's such a good picture of what the church is really supposed to be. It's not just something that we show when we put a performance on, but it's the body of Christ together, community. And so uh, two things. If you're not part of the family of God today, and you're like, man, this is really intriguing, that, that it's not a... Ch- country club. It's, it's actually a relationship with a living God, and I want to be part of that family. Then today, Tom and I are going to be standing down here during this last song of worship. If you say, I just want to know Jesus, we would love to pray with you. But I think all of us in this room, judging by what you said earlier, if you're not lying, is that we all need some more wisdom, all right? And so I just want to pray blessing over you, and then we're going to sing one last worship song and really give praise to the King of Kings. So why don't you close your eyes. You can put out your hands if you want, just an act of receiving. Lord, I ask for wisdom. Lord, I ask for not just knowledge, but the application of the knowledge that is from above, that is from you. Lord, every one of us in this room, we humble ourselves and say, Lord, we don't bring anything to the table. We don't bring wisdom to the table. We need your wisdom today. Whatever that situation, little things and big things, Lord, I need your wisdom today. So, Lord, I pray that you would just pour out your spirit upon us, the spirit of wisdom upon us, that we would really even, people would come to this church because they're seeking wisdom, just like people came to Solomon's kingdom because they heard about the wisdom. They wanted to know the source of the wisdom. Lord, I pray people would come to know you through our wisdom that you give us. Lord, thank you. Give us good and great perspective of how great you are and that you've called us into relationship with you through your son, Jesus. It's by his powerful name we pray.
let's worship one last time.